are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. You have no idea how excited I am for this. Oh. <laughs> no big deal. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Of course. Well, before we get started, I just want to tell you I'm a huge fan because oh. car seat safety, and I know you do everything everything really right so it's all about safety and kids and toddlers and babies and everything um but car seat safety specifically i feel like it's really hard to find that the best information out there um and i just i think your page just resonates with like can resonate with so many people um but anyway can you just tell us like first who you are all about you and before we get started yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Holly Choi. I am the co-owner of Safe Beginnings First Aid. Um, I own the business alongside my sister, Jill. Oh, it's um, your sister. And she's been uh, doing this for well over a decade now. But when I was on um, mat leave with my first daughter, I decided to make a career change. I had been um, training physicians on medical software, which was challenging, but it also involved a lot of travel. And I knew that I wanted to be able to have some flexibility and be with my kids more, although I'm very career driven. So this seemed like a good balance for me. Um, And my sort of training skills kind of came into that. So I think once becoming a mom, I really realized how important safety information is, but also that there wasn't a lot that was super accessible to families. So I wanted to find a way to do that. And that's where um, the Instagram account started. So I have a Instagram account that's just at safe beginnings. And um, I'm now on TikTok too, which I'm trying to do, but I'm not as good at. And uh, yeah, I use that to just give parents tips to keep their babies and toddlers safe. So my three areas of expertise are naturally first aid. That was where we started. Uh, Car seat safety. I've been a child passenger safety technician now for six and a half years. Um, I became an instructor training new technicians back in 2017. And I'm now the uh, vice president of the Child Passenger Safety Association of Canada. So a long (laughs) journey down that road. And then in the more recent years, I've gotten into childproofing, baby proofing. So all things injury prevention for babies and toddlers. Basically, I've got my hands in it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, first of all, that is such all of that that you just said is such an accomplishment. I mean, what an inspiration to so many people out there when you find something that you're kind of in a field, but then you find this niche of like, I really am for this. I believe in it. And I understand that like there needs to be a lot more awareness towards it and for somebody like you to go out there and kind of just like hone in on that is so cool and so helpful to so many people out there so that's what I want to say first of all and second I mean there is always 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 such a huge space for for safety and that's all us parents are trying to do right is keep our kids safe we I talk about it so much on this podcast um and I just, I'm like, I'm so excited. I have so many questions for you and I just, I cannot wait. Um, So yeah, we can find you on um, Instagram at Safe Beginnings and also on TikTok. So if you guys definitely go follow, like first thing you should be doing when you're listening to this podcast is click and follow. Um, First of all, you were featured in Forbes three times. What the heck was that like? Really cool. Um, (laughs) My mom was so excited, probably more excited than I was. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, it was really neat. So uh, back in 2020, I was fortunate in the sense that the pandemic kind of helped grow my audience significantly because people couldn't access things locally. So they were looking to access things online. And fortunately, I had made that pivot quite well. Um, I'm a super uh, technical nerd. So uh, for me, doing something uh, digital was was no issue. So I was really excited to do that. Um, and as a result, my account got quite large just around the time that Baby Safety Month hit, which is every year in September. So I was fortunate that that all timed out and I was able to speak um, specifically about the safety of baby products was the first time that I was featured in Forbes. Um, followed almost uh, not even five months later or less um, to talk about car seat safety. And then again, uh, last year about summer safety. So it's nice to have um, support and platforms like that to speak on because they do reach a larger audience and those messages in particular are all super important. So I was really, really thrilled. Oh my gosh. What a, what an amazing accomplishment. And like you said, the audience that you're reaching, you just, you have that almost validation of, okay, I'm doing all this work. I'm putting all this effort in and it's being noticed and I'm able to reach more than just my following or, or what have you. So that's just amazing. Um, now I guess like, to get into the nitty gritty of it, what some people are maybe looking to hear and others don't want to hear, but when they hear it, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should listen to that, right? Um, and car seat safety and just anything to do with your kids is always such a controversial thing, right? So you like, don't know, should I say something? Should I not? But anyway, I do want to talk about like, what are some of the common mistakes with car seats specifically um, that you've seen that you've witnessed? And like, how can we avoid those things? Yeah, so there's kind of two places that you can make mistakes with car seats. There are the installation errors, which are common. And then on top of that, there's also the harnessing errors, which are also probably equally, if not more common. Um, so there's a lot of things with installation that I will typically see done wrong. And I would say the main one is that the car seat's not installed tightly enough. Okay. Um, I find that a lot of that is based on technique and this is where it can be really challenging for parents. And um, just to briefly touch on how I ended up in this um, black hole of car seat safety, um, I was really fortunate that when my daughter was eight weeks old, there happened just happened to be a CPST training course um, being uh, put on about a block from where we lived. So I, it was kind of a, you know, we've got child safety going on in our business. That's what we're trying to build this business up as, I should probably take that, it seems relevant. But at the same time, if you look at a CPST training course, there are multiple days, full days, hands-on, they're super intense. And I thought, why would this be so hard? Like, how could you talk about installing a car seat for like four days? Like, how is that a thing? And I walked into this class with this honestly really awful attitude of like, can't you just read the manual and follow the instructions? So I realized um, after the first night of that class, I now this might have been postpartum hormones too, but I got back in my car and I locked myself in and I sobbed. 
And it was because, and no fault of the instructor because she was lovely, but I just had this really overwhelming moment of, oh my gosh, I have been doing this wrong. Thankfully only for eight weeks, but so wrong. I really was confident that I couldn't have made any mistakes because I'd read the manual. Boy, was I wrong. Like so, so wrong. Everything, I, anywhere I could have made a mistake, I made it. So one of the reasons I do this work is because I don't want parents to feel that way. So I will just say right off the bat, anything I bring up here, if you're doing it, please just learn from it and move forward because yeah. everyone does this. And statistically, depending on where you are in the U.S., Safe Kids estimates anywhere from 40 to 95% of car seats being misused. In Canada, roughly 81%. But I will say from all the seats I've checked over the years, I haven't seen even close to 10% used correctly. And again, it's not because parents want to make these yeah. mistakes. No one wants to endanger a child, right? That's not our goal. But they're so easy to make. So I think that's where, thank you for um, having me to speak about this because it's something that is shockingly common and not talked about enough. And um, so just a little preface that please don't feel guilty. Yeah. Just take the opportunity to learn and, and make that change because we know that motor vehicle collisions are one of the leading causes of death in children in North America. And if we have something that we can do to give ourselves a better chance of that not being us, let's do it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So <laughs> long preamble to say, um, having it not tight enough is probably the biggest one. And I think, you know, we feel like we've got it snug or we don't know exactly what the end goal is supposed to feel like. So we don't have anything to judge that off of. So when you've got a car seat installed correctly, there's effectively going to be something on the car seat called a belt path. And wherever you would be putting either the lower anchor connectors or the seat belts to install the car seat, that is the area that's called the belt path. So it's usually just a little hole that runs through the seat or over the top of the car seat base. And where that spot is, that's where we check for tightness. So I'll find like, for example, if you have a rear facing car seat, a lot of people will grab the spot that's sort of toward where the baby's head would be and start shaking there. It might move a whole bunch there, but where it's physically attached to the car that's where you're checking for tightness and it shouldn't move more than an inch in any direction. So um, a lot of that is technique based. And I find that if you can get your, um, you know, your tightening strap parallel to itself or your seatbelt parallel to itself to get it a bit tighter, that helps quite a bit. But if you do struggle with that, you can always reach out to a car seat technician in your area and just get a second set of eyes on it because some seats are much harder to tighten than others. Yeah, definitely. I and then I did um I'll plug this again at the end, but there are um safekids.org. I know you talk about a lot and that's where you can go to find out um the people in your area that can help you with that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um the and then in terms of harnessing, there's so many places people can make mistakes there. And I think the one that we'll often see, um, I like to use in the sanctimony groups, but the the um, the places where we see people picking apart each other's car seat safety online, please don't be that person, um, unless you have some actual helpful information that you can pass along in a 
tactful way. Um, but, uh, you know, having the chest clip too low, that's a really common one. That's the one that we probably see most people talk about on the internet. A common myth with the chest clip being too low is that it could cause uh, abdominal injuries. And there's a lot of, um, for lack of a better word here, memes of that floating around on the internet with like a skeleton with their chest clip down by their belly button. But uh, all the chest clip does is keep the harness on the child's shoulders so that in the split second of a crash that the harness is on their shoulder and not slipping off the shoulder. So there's little minor adjustments like that that are really important. And also making sure that you've got the slack out of the hips is huge. Um, I recently posted a video on my Instagram. So if you are yep, on Instagram. I saw that and I'm going to repost this when this episode airs because you, I feel like you can't even, you did such a good job in that video that like explain it. Like you just have to go watch that video, right? Like it's, it's good because I, I show sort of how most babies arrive to me at a car seat check if the parents got their baby on the outside at that point. And uh, hidden slack in the hips is huge. I think it's probably one of the most common mistakes with harnessing, wow. but it can lead to all sorts of issues. In a crash, the harness wouldn't be tight enough. Um, it can lead to the baby slouching, which can compromise their breathing position. So little micro adjustments that you make are so important. So yeah, I would definitely suggest, because it's always hard to explain over audio some of those little niche things, but check out the video um, where I just demonstrate the, I, I think I called it the most common harnessing mistake that I see because hands down, hands down, that's the most common one. And it's like a three minute video, two minute video, something like that, but you show exactly. So that is like perfect. I'll definitely link that for sure. Um, I did want to ask you with the harnessing situation, I had always thought it was like, put the um the harness clip at the nipples but I heard you talk about the armpits is that the same area or is that not it's generally the same area okay. most um manuals will use armpit level as the guide some have said nipple line when we're talking about like a baby or toddler it's really close okay but I usually go with imagine the center of the sides of the chest clip and try to point them directly into the top of the armpit. Okay. Um, and the easiest way to know if your chest clip is really in the right spot is if you try to tug it off the child's shoulders once you've got the chest clip in place. <laughs> if Excuse it were me. to slip off the shoulder, then it's way too loose or too low, I should say. But if it's high enough and you tug at the edges of the harness by the neck, it shouldn't come off the shoulder at all. So um, you can always test that to make sure that if you're like, nah, I don't know, is it high enough? That, that'll give you an answer. And then there's that pinch test, which I didn't really know about before watching any of your, vi your videos, honestly. Yeah, so the pinch test is um, a concept that's been around sort of more in the last decade. Before that, um, a lot of parents heard to use two fingers to check for tightness, and it can work, um, but everyone has different sized fingers, yeah. so it can be a bit subjective. I have tiny hands, and then you'll run into some parents that, you know, like it's they've got big sausage man hands, and that might be three fingers worth for me. So when we look at that, um, the idea of the pinch test is once you've got them tightened in, could you make a horizontal crease in the harness just above the chest clip? So parallel to the chest clip, can you make a fold? And if you can, then it's still too loose. 
Now, um, one of the things that I show in that video is how to do that properly, because the flip side of that is I will see parents absolutely just like yank a child into the car seat and then they go, oh yeah, can't pinch a fold. But you can also go too far and completely over tighten them. So I will usually leave the harness just slightly too loose, grab up everything I can pinch into a fold and then tighten until it falls out of my fingers. Um, so it's easier to, to get it just perfectly right rather than go overboard and over tighten them too because we don't want to pinch a bunch of nerves in their neck or shoulders if we don't have to yeah, yeah. nobody wants to do that right yeah I I did want to ask you too um a lot of people that I've seen they're doing like um car seats next to each other I know there's like so there's all these little things that I've heard that I don't know if they say in the manuals or not, but so for the pinch test, for instance, or the hip um, slack, like I wouldn't really know that unless I listened to a podcast and I heard to check for that. And now I'm going to go forward and I'm going to check for that. Right. So like I've heard also that car seats cannot touch another car seat next to each other. It kind of voids them out. Is that yeah, so the general rule of thumb with this is the car seats, when they're installed, should in theory be independently tight. So what can sometimes happen is, um, and where I live, it's super common. We have basically zero trucks where I live. Everyone either drives a compact, like hatchback sedan or a compact SUV. So we're trying to cram sometimes three car seats into like a RAV4 um, or something that's, you know, fairly narrow in the scheme of, SUVs. And what ends up happening is then you have car seats that are really just bracing up against each other and pushing on each other. So if you have a car seat in the middle, for example, you might think it's tight, but it's not actually tightly installed. It's just wedged in between other car seats. So the idea is that if you can ensure that they are all independently tight, which often means starting in the middle and then doing the side ones after, it can be a bit difficult to know for sure if it is really tight, but in theory, we don't want them pushing on each other in any way. Um, and so if you do find that you're in a situation where you need a three across and you're in a narrow vehicle, one, know that it might not be possible, unfortunately. And two, there are more narrow seats on the market that can facilitate that, but we hopefully know that not every car seat fits in every vehicle as well. So it can be a huge guessing game. And my best advice is always go to a baby store. Most baby stores will let you try a car seat in your car with the exception of places like Walmart, for example, where their job isn't just to sell baby stuff. So they can't just like send someone outside with you to try a car seat. But if you go to a real baby store, yeah, <laughs> typically they'll let you do this. And then try a few and you might need to put some different combinations in. Sometimes you end up getting three different brand car seats because it just puzzles properly. So it's such a it's such a huge juggle, but there usually is a solution at the end of the day. That's something I really had no clue about. Like I just thought you get a you have a car and you get a car seat. You pick whatever car seat you want to fit in your car. But honestly, it doesn't really work like that sometimes. Some cars have like 
tilted or lean seats or angled whatever and then this car seat is you know it it really like there are some car seats that really don't work well with some cars which is so interesting and that's another reason why you really should go out and try them like you were saying that's such a good idea and such good advice I feel like yeah I when I was pregnant with my first I put a car seat on my baby registry and my in-laws bought it for me and I was so excited because it was a really fancy car seat um, and I bought it because it came in turquoise and that was one of my favorite colors and I thought oh I'll get a nice turquoise car seat. Uh, it, I later found out in my course, you know, eight weeks postpartum, that it was the second largest infant seat available on the market. And I drove a four-door hatchback that was really, really tight on space. Now, um, of course, you can't see my full body right now, but I'm five feet tall. My husband's maybe five, five or so, not a big guy. So even us being short, we couldn't fit this car seat in our car properly yeah. and then i thought i i know how to solve this problem i won't get a different car seat i'll just buy an suv oh. well <laughs> don't do that because i bought an suv and then it was still a compact suv and it's just a taller version of my car effectively and so i ran into the same problem and i'm having to get a new car seat anyway so um just just know that it is really really beneficial to you to get the right car seat and before you buy a new vehicle probably just see if it makes more sense to just get a different car seat yeah. <laughs> wait on the topic of like car seats are there any brands or specific car seats that you really love or you really recommend that are you know your top recommendations i love this question um and my answer is no okay. and it's because um Every car seat has a place for the most part in some situation. And I have zero issue with my daughter riding in a $75 car seat from Walmart or an $800 Clegg Fouve, um, of which both of my kids have done both uh, regularly. And it's just that we know that things that are on the market that are current meet current federal standards and they've passed crash testing and they are crash worthy. So the idea is that if you are using the seat correctly, so it's installed correctly, the child is harnessed correctly, and you're in a crash, if the crash was survivable, the child will survive. Um, and that doesn't matter whether it was an expensive car seat or a you know, cheaper car seat. The difference between, let's say a super, you know, um, cheap plastic, like really lightweight, $75 car seat and an $800 one would just mostly be around um, some additional features. A lot of the times it's fabric, just nicer fabrics, um, things like anti-rebound bars or um, a no rethread harness that lets you make the changes a bit more easily. So a lot of convenience features. And then there are some more advanced safety features like load legs and side impact protection. But um, I will say, yes, there's a chance that that would reduce the severity of an injury in a crash. But coming back to if it's survivable, they'll survive. Would they maybe get a broken arm in one and not the other? It's possible, but we also don't know what kind of crash we're going to have. Yeah. So it's super important. Like, if you can't afford an $800 car seat, don't beat yourself up about it because 
car seats will do their job if we use them correctly. And at the end of the day, survivable is the goal. We can fix other things, but survivable is the main goal. So as long as you're using your car seat correctly, know that your child is protected. That's so, that's such good advice because, you know, there definitely are people out there listening that can't that, that can't afford an $800 car seat. I mean, that's a lot of money. And a lot of especially money. if you need them for a couple cars and then grandma's taking one in their car, like that's just too much. And it's yeah. so nice to hear from an expert like you that you don't need that, that it's that's not necessary. It does just be, it doesn't mean you're a better parent if you have an $800 car seat versus a $75 car seat. So that's so awesome. Speaking of the special features, this is something I'm really interested to get your take on. So this whole swivel car seat thing is very big <laughs> right now. Um, do you think that that, do you, do you think anything about it or is that just an extra, okay, that's a cool thing or it, do you see any problems with that? I'm going to partially plead the fifth on this one because okay. um, I'm a huge fan of one of the seats and not a huge fan of another one. So okay. I just won't mention that. Okay. Um, but uh, I, was sent I get sent car seats to review fairly regularly and I will say uh, I was sent the even flow revolve car seat and it knocked my socks off I love that really um and it doesn't even flow typically like when people think of even flow a lot of people are like oh I mean that's kind of a um you know more uh, budget baby brand or you don't think about it as like the poshest thing but they make great car seats like really great car seats and I wasn't expecting to love that car seat the wow. way I love it. Um, I did a review on my Instagram and I have it saved. Um, I did it live in my car, which is awkward because at one point I child locked myself in. Um, <laughs> love it. Just love it. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it swivels. So the concept is there's a base that gets installed in the car. And um, once you have the base installed, this the top part of the convertible car seat basically clicks into it and you can either have the child face forward or face backward and you could just easily make that adjustment on the go because the base gets tethered to the trunk so if the child's rear facing it's got a tether which can add some additional crash protection but if the child's forward facing it's already tethered so you don't have to think oh i need to add the top tether now where this has been super helpful in my life is i have a daughter that is in um, elementary school now and then I have a daughter that's younger in daycare my younger daughter is rear facing but sometimes I'll pick up my older daughter who's forward facing from school Ooh. and her friend wants to come over but my other car seats the revolve so I just turn it forward I make a few adjustments make sure the harness is right for her friend we drive home and then we get back I fix it up for my younger daughter to go pick her up from daycare so for families that have to transport multiple children, or if you have especially someone like a grandparent in your family, that's huge because they might take care of a one-year-old one day a week and then take care of an eight-year-old, or maybe that's too big, but you know, four or five-year-olds later in the week. And you can use that same car seat. That's so cool to me. Um, and that seat really does that well and easily. The other thing is that if you have any issues with your back or if you're recovering mm. from like abdominal surgery, that would be a great one too. Imagine a, you know, second time parent who's maybe had a C-section and is having a hard time getting a yeah. child into a car seat, the toddler, right? If you can load them sideways and you're not awkwardly leaning over to dump them into their rear facing car seat, 
oh, it makes a big difference. So I will say like, if you can afford one for a grandparent, that would be my go-to. Um, it's a great car seat, especially in that scenario, but I actually use it on a regular basis with my younger daughter because I love it so much. Wow. And wait, I don't want to um, overstep, but there's another swivel car seat you don't like. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll leave it at that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask you about that offline because I'm actually kind of interested. Um, so uh, another thing that I always see and I want to ask you about, and I just feel like people will not know that this is not okay um, cause I mean, let's be real. Like who takes the time to read the manual? I know you don't want to hear that, but like, it's just so many people don't. And I think part of this, this episode and like bringing awareness to this is like not condoning that, but just realizing like that is life. And if we can just give you in some information, if you're listening, then that can save a life or help you then, then great. Um, so the whole idea of it's going to be so much safer if I do the tether and the seatbelt and the anchors, like do it all. What's your take on that? Okay. So there are some seats on the market that would let you install with both your lower anchors and a seatbelt at the same time, but it's rare. There's like very few select seats that say that you either should or are allowed to do it. Like they'll even say in the manual, for example, the Nunapipa car seat says it is acceptable. That is the phrasing they use in their manual. Um, and the reason it says that is that they've crash tested it and it crash tests fine. Um, but that it also passes crash testing when you use one or the other. And um, pretty much the rest of the car seats on the market say, please just use one system or the other. So either lower anchors or seatbelt to do the install. And I will say, going back to my experience um, as a new parent, that was one of the things I did. I thought, why not do both? I mean, wouldn't it, in theory, be safer? Yeah. The problem is we don't always have all of the information. So when crash tests happen, we know kind of the pass-fail result. Like, did, did it pass <laughs> or not if it didn't, but shouldn't be on the market, right? Mm. And then on top of that, we don't know, did the manufacturer actually pay to have it tested with both systems? It's required that you do testing for each system, but it's not required that you do it for both together. So they would kind of have to go out of their way to do that. And I will say crash testing is super expensive. So a lot of the time it might not be crash tested. The other catch is that maybe they did crash test it and it failed. And a situation where that could happen is depending on the structure of the car seat, if there's too much pressure on the plastics or the frame of the car seat um, from both systems being installed at the same time, it might not react in an accident the way, or sorry, I shouldn't use the word accident. That's my own, <laughs> my own bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I correct myself. I have to put money in the swear jar now oh. um, in a crash, um, but it might not react the way that we expect it to in a crash. And so then that's another problem. So the answer is either they tried and it didn't do well, or they didn't try because it was expensive. So we do know that for sure it will work with one system or the other. And so anything that is offered to you in the manual is legit. But if you do want to use both, you have to look in the manual and it has to explicitly say that it's okay to do that. Um, so another example of that would be the Klek Fump, which is the fancy expensive car seat. Um, my 
older daughter rides in that one forward facing and you're allowed to use both the anchors and the seatbelt in a forward facing install on that car seat. So there are cases where it's okay, but you have to make sure the manual tells you to do that. Okay. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I just feel like that can bring light to, you know, help people make that decision of, am I going to do both or am I, am, take that pressure off because, right, all we, again, want to do as parents is keep our kids safe. Let me just be extra safe. Let me just try to be, you know, I want to get the best car seat or I want to, you know, get a brand new, whatever it is. And sometimes it could be misleading information or, or, totally. or you know, just not the right thing to do. Um, another thing, you probably hear this out all the time but kind of I want to talk about like the coats and the jacket thing I know a lot of people I think it's becoming a lot more um talked about the fact that you know you can't wear a coat in a car seat and I think that a lot of people know that but then there's this whole but my baby's gonna be cold what am I gonna do like with this cold baby and you know they get so upset or you know what is okay and Kind of like, can you just walk us through, like, for those that don't know, like, why is it so vital to not wear a car, a coat in a car seat? Yeah, so coming back to our conversation earlier about chest clips, the, the goal is that in a crash, we want the harness to be fitting the child properly so that they're not ejected or injured. And what can happen is um, it's really deceptive with clothing. So clothing, if it's too bulky, you might even, you know, yank a car seat harness onto a child. It might feel like, oh, wow, it's really tight. But in a crash, we're no longer dealing with our own strength. We are dealing with G-forces. And when you're dealing with that amount of pressure, it could compress the fabrics enough that now the fabrics go from being dense and seemingly tight on the body to really, really thin. And then we do have children that get ejected to the point that all of the car seat manuals typically have some kind of clause in the warning section about don't put a child in this car seat in any bulky clothing or winter jackets or anything like that. So there's been a lot of advocacy in the last years, um, last few years about this. And um, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Dahlia, um, who is really doing a great job of educating parents on this. She was on Shark Tank about a year and a half ago, I want to say. Wow. Um, and she started a company where they made car seat safe coats. And the idea of these coats is that you do up the harness tightly to the child, but then this panel just kind of goes on top of the harness and Velcro's on, so you could still get the child out in the crash. But the idea is that you would then be able to keep a child warm, but know that the harness is actually tight to their body underneath this special coat. Her company is called Buckle Me Baby Coats. Um, but there's a lot of other great options out there for parents if they can't afford to buy a car seat specific coat. Um, and that's just dressing them in thinner layers and using warmer fabrics. So that would be something like um, polar fleece, wool, um, sometimes even just thinner synthetic layers that hold heat in a bit better and pre-warming the car, putting a blanket on them after you harness them, putting a hat on them. There's usually a solution, um, but avoiding anything that would be really puffy or feeling like it has, um, you know, like down feathers and it would be not a good option. So, um, one of my friends, her name is Dr. Elisa Bear. She's a wonderful, wonderful resource in the car seat community. She runs a blog called The Car Seat Lady. 
Um, she's a fantastic resource. If you haven't seen any of her stuff, definitely check it out. Her website's thecarseatlady.com. But she has um, a test on her website that I absolutely love. And I've started to teach to my um, car seat tech students when I'm training them because it's mm. so good. So effectively, the test is you put a child in a car seat and you, uh, in the coat that you are trying to figure out if it's safe or not, you tighten them up all the way, make sure they pass the pinch test. You've got all the slack out of the hips. This is as tight as I can get this harness. And then you'll take a piece of chalk and where the tightening strap comes out of the car seat, sort of typically where their feet are, right? You'll take the chalk and you'll actually mark off right against the car seat. Where's the, the spot that the tightening strap ends? Okay. So you mark this with chalk. Then you take the child out of the car seat, out of the coat, you put them back in, in in regular clothes. So when I say regular clothes, think about what you would wear on a typical spring day. So that might be a t-shirt with a thin sweatshirt, something like that. Tighten the child back up and then mark the tail of the tightening strap again. And oftentimes you'll see between the two lines that you made sometimes as much as four inches. And that's the slack difference. So it shows you in a crash what would actually be the difference when the fabric's compressed down. And I find that that has been a really easy way for me to get across to skeptical caregivers. Yes. Um, especially we have so much survivorship bias in car seat safety of, well, I did that and I was fine, right? But if we haven't had the, fortunately haven't had the situation where this has impacted us, we might not realize the seriousness of it. So I find that if you can do that chalk test, especially if someone's skeptical, great. And if you buy a coat with the purpose of wearing it in a car seat, then before you take the tags off, do the test and just make sure it's actually safe. But there's a surprising number of coats on the market that are considered what we call packable. So if you were to take it and you could squish it down into a tiny ball in your hand, so it might look puffy, but it's just filled with air for the most part, a lot of those will pass the test fine. So I'll also just put out there before anyone <laughs> runs up to another mom in a parking lot and is like, hey, that's dangerous, don't do that. <laughs> it might be okay. Um, I've had people do that to me, um, which I find hilarious. Yeah, you're like, do you know <laughs> who I am? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's there are situations where something might look awful. It might actually be okay. So just putting that out there too. Oh, that's really, really a great thing because I that, again, I would have never known that because – I see all the time. I'm like, oh my God, that kid's wearing a coat. I don't say anything, but like, yeah, I, I'm like, oh, that's so awful. But it's just such a scary thing. And, and I love how you said, um, for those skeptical parents out there, because right. So like you'll go to the car and your kid will be in a coat and it's just so much easier to just throw your kid in there. The car wasn't started. It's still freezing. They like, how would you like it if you were in zero degree weather in a t-shirt? Like it's just easier for them. Um, and then there's parents that, again, like you said, the survival uh, bias and it's just having these facts and knowing what can really happen is just so helpful. Um, and I, I, I just can't even fathom the, the, you know, I think there's this whole thing of when you know better, you do better. And in these situations, that's what we're trying to promote, right? Just the knowledge. Totally. And while I'm on that train of thought, the other time that I see people give the unsolicited parking lot advice, 
um, I love to myth bust this one is, can I put a car seat in the front seat of the car? And the answer might actually be yes. Really? So typically in most cases, you wouldn't put a car seat in the front of a vehicle because there's an active airbag there. Um, and we know that that's not the safest place. The back seat is hands down the safest place. But I've seen this happen <laughs> with my own eyes at my daycare where there was a dad who was driving his work van and his work van was like, imagine it has like the front cab with just two seats in it yeah. and then a full like, you know, van at the back. Um, he had a rear facing infant seat in the passenger side. And this one parent was like, um, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, oh, oh actually, this is probably totally fine because a oh my lot God, of good for work you. vehicles. So um, trucks, this is super common and other just, you know, like work vans. Oftentimes there will be a switch inside the glove compartment where you can turn off the airbag manually. If there's a way that you can guarantee it's off, so not a sensor, but an actual switch, the airbag is completely turned off then in most cases you're safe to do that and the user manual will for the vehicle will tell you that explicitly but if you see a car seat rear facing in the front of a truck just know that it's probably okay it's probably okay because wow. there's been a few times here where people have phoned 911 for active child endangerment and it's like that's not it's not actually a problem though yeah that's so great to hear do, what other myth busters do you have anything else that like while we're on that Oh gosh, I'd have to think about it. Yeah, um, on the spot. yeah, like that one is that one is just such a common one that just really yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, hey, like I'm all here for this, but that person's actually probably totally in the right. Yeah. Wait, that's so cool that you were able to kind of be there in that moment and be like, wait a second. Yeah, that's how you make a good friend at daycare. <laughs> <laughs> a good and a bad. She called yeah. me out. She helped me. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, on to like. A little bit of um, the car seat or, you know, off the car seat safety, actually. Um, you know, you do a lot of child safety just in general. And I wanted to kind of ask you, um, what are some of the just general child safety, baby safety hazards that are sometimes overlooked that you see? So I would say that my biggest message lately in the last two years has been please anchor your furniture. Um, anchoring furniture is, in my opinion, the most important baby proofing thing anyone can do, period. Um, and it's, I, I think a lot of people are caught off guard when I say that because they're like, well, I mean, wouldn't it be gates or <laughs> something else? Uh, for me, it's anchoring furniture. And whenever I talk about injury prevention with my classes or even just on my Instagram, a lot of the comments or you can kind of like gauge people's faces and they'll say like you know it's kind of a yeah this is common sense like of course I should put gates on the stairs or of course I should keep them away from the stove when I'm cooking a lot of that does feel like common sense but when it comes to anchoring furniture I don't think parents fully grasp the reality of tip over injuries um, every two weeks in the U.S., there is at least one child that dies from a tip-over incident, oh. and this is consistent. And uh, a number of years ago, I mean, at least five years ago or more, there was a huge recall from Ikea where dressers had been falling on children, and they issued this recall. 
And then as sort of a side effect of that, this kind of perception went out into the world of, yeah, but that was Ikea's problem. It's always been a furniture problem. There are huge advocacy groups, especially in the U.S. for this. There is a mom who runs a website called megan'shope.org. Um, and Megan was her daughter that she lost in a tip over incident. And this wasn't a one-year-old. Megan was, I believe, three at the time. And it just goes to show that this is something that's really easily overlooked because the piece of furniture that claimed her really wasn't that big. And there's also this kind of underlying idea of, well, that dresser is way too big There's or too heavy. There's no way a child could pull it down. But whenever I teach this, I say, try to think about this through a child's eyes. Bookcases look like ladders. Dressers, you can pull all the drawers out and make staircases out of them. That's what kids do. That's what happens. And that's what happened in this case. And um, it's one of those things where if you pull all the drawers out of a really heavy dresser, yeah, even a tiny child can take it down. So coming back to why I say this is the most important thing is that a lot of the injury prevention information we talk about um, feels and kind of is for the best part common sense, but we get second chances with those injuries. And when it comes to things like car seat safety and tip over incidents, we're lucky if we get a second chance. Yeah. And so for me, those are two things that I feel are just non-negotiable. The, the side note and the, what I often hear, and I'm sure someone listening right now is probably thinking, great, but you say that you probably own your house and you can make holes in your wall. But for someone who's renting and maybe isn't allowed to put holes in their wall, my advice is one, go to your tenancy board and check if you're actually allowed to be told that for safety reasons. Like if it's you're installing a safety device for a child, because um, the likelihood is you're probably protected. If that's not the case, go to the landlord and ask for in writing that you are not allowed to install a safety device for your child. They'll probably let you. Yeah. <laughs> and then worst case scenario, are we going to lose our damage deposit? In my opinion, it's worth it. And I know that there's a lot of privilege in saying that because that could be significant for someone, but in my opinion, it's worth it because I, I always try to, this is probably not a good way to live my life, but I always try to think of what would I pay if I had to have someone come back? And for me, if it's a damage deposit, I'll pay the damage deposit. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's such a serious injury, typically a fatal injury. And that's why I'm so, so big on just getting that furniture anchored. Oh, I have literal chills hearing you say that. And I think... I kind of knew where you were going to go with that because I've been following you and I, I I know your stance on that. But I feel like for people out there listening, they are probably weren't expecting it, like you were saying. Um, but it, it really makes so much sense. And until you hear it broken down the way you just did, I don't think people would understand the severity. So I'm so thankful that you that we you we brought this up because it is such a insanely vital topic to talk about um and you know now I'm gonna be going up uh into my house and <laughs> anchoring down every possible awesome thing in my house um luckily I don't really have much furniture I have like TVs mounted to walls 
to the walls Great. and stuff, which I'm always like, is that thing going to fall? I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like you were saying with the baby gates, um, you know, that's something I'm, I'm even, um, you know, I hate, hate to admit it, but we don't have baby gates like anywhere. She's been, my daughter Jagger has been climbing up and down the stairs since she's been able to. And is it, it's just not the safest thing. And, and I'm willing to admit, like I've kind of just brushed over. I had one of my friends always tell me just order the baby gate, order the baby gate, order the baby gate. And, um, I just brushed over it, but really sitting here and talking about it, it just, this is what people need to make the change that is going to save a life, prevent an injury and so on and so forth. Um, but awesome. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a lot, it's a lot for people, but I, it's just, it's, it needs to be said. Are there any other, um, you know, big hazards that, that you want to talk about? I will say, you know, summer is going to come up on us quickly. My my other big one is if you do live in a two-story or higher home, just make sure that your windows can't open more than four inches. Um, in the summer, we see an increase in falls out of windows. Um, and just keep in mind that babies and toddlers carry anywhere from 25 to 30% of their body weight in their head. So uh, if they look out the window uh, too far, the chances are that they, they'll go out the window. So the minimum recommendation is that at most you would have four inches uh, that the window can open or less. And you can get all sorts of different things. There are window guards, there are stops for windows, there are something, if you have casement windows, which is not a commonly known term, but it's the windows that push out. Um, Those, there is something called a window opening control device to prevent it from opening more than four inches. So just, please be super mindful of that because a lot of parents, I think, assume a bug screen would be uh, enough to keep a child from falling, but a bug screen's not enough. You have to make sure the window can't be open more. So that would be my big one as we get into warmer weather is just keep an eye on your windows. And if you're stuck, call in a window company and just say like, do you have solutions for this? Can you just do it for me? Yeah. Wow. Another thing I, I wouldn't have thought of. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's like you you think you're doing everything that you can and then you 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 just learn more but I guess that you know that's part of life <laughs> and it's 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 great and I'm I'm so glad to keep sharing this stuff. Um I did I just had like two more questions for you and I I know we're almost out of time and I'm so thankful for you. Um but I I did want to know a little bit more like where can can you tell us a little bit about your safety or your car seat safety courses and the free guides and checklists that you have and where we can find those? I know those will be really helpful to a lot of people. Totally. So um, if you're not on my Instagram yet, definitely head on to my Instagram. It's at safe beginnings. Um, if you follow the link in my bio, I have just all of my resources there in one place. So I list off all of our online courses And then I have a bunch of free guides. So I've got guides on making sure that you have your child harnessed correctly, which is really, really important. So get that. Also watch the video of me harnessing a child because that will be super helpful to you. Um, And then for courses, we have two main courses at the moment. I'm currently working on a third, which is uh, a secret, but probably probably pretty easy to figure out once you know what my other two are. (laughs) Um, So my, uh, the first one is the car seat safety course. So 
I effectively work through everything you would need to know to get through the entire rear facing stage, which for most kids these days is about two and a half, three, or if not longer. So you would, uh, it would get you through the first few years of your child's life. But a lot of that myth busting around what's, what are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? Uh, making sure you know how to install a car seat correctly, harness them correctly. Um, it's a really thorough course. It's a little over two hours of just straight video content. Everything's captioned. So if you want to turn off the sound and watch it on your phone at night, you can. Oh. I find that a lot of my courses get watched in the middle of the night, probably <laughs> when people are up feeding a child um, or trying to get them back to sleep. Yeah. And then our second course is our flagship course, which is our infant child CPR choking and injury prevention course. So it teaches you what to do if um, a baby or a child were to go unconscious, stop breathing, which is CPR, um, what to do if they choke. And then I have a whole discussion on injury prevention around the home. So all of those little things we can do to prevent having to use the skills. Um, but those are the two and they're both lifetime access so that if you wanted to learn and then you're like I think I've forgotten everything and I want to come back and learn again you can do that so we made sure to keep that open so that parents have the opportunity to refresh their knowledge as needed and any updates in the future will be open to anyone that has had it so it's um two two awesome resources oh actually that's amazing I wanted to ask you quickly um on that I know you talk a little bit about um something that is um safe but then what's the best option can you just give me a little bit of what you mean by that yeah so there's there's some situations where something might kind of be considered unsafe or questionable but then we can make them safer so um an example of that would be like car seat protectors so vehicle seat protectors that you would put underneath a car seat when you install it in a lot of cases, we don't recommend them as car seat technicians because it can make an install feel falsely tight. Often they're kind of rubberized and it, you might get more friction than is actually there in reality in a crash. But um, there's also this kind of, well, is there a safer option? Is there something I can do that's a bit of a better compromise? And a lot of brands will have one or multiple that have been crash tested with their seat that they know are good. So there's ways that you can take <laughs> something that might be considered unsafe and make it fit your family a little bit better. I also recognize that there's some situations like car seat mirrors where we also don't love car seat mirrors because sometimes they can fly off in a crash and actually hit the child in the face, which we don't want to have happen. But um, you have to recognize that sometimes if you just put black and white statements on things like, no, they're bad, don't use them. There's parents like me who had crippling postpartum anxiety and might need to have a mirror, um, or maybe their child has a medical condition and they need a mirror. And, um, you know, if, is there a way that we can find one that's softer or more secure um, to kind of find a compromise? So there's also some place for, we might not always be able to follow all the rules exactly to the T, but is can we at least find the safest option next to it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. Well, 
I really cannot thank you enough. Do you think we, is there anything else that I missed that we missed? Oh gosh, I mean, I can, you know, I can talk for like 12 (laughs) hours on this. (laughs) I think we covered a lot. What do you think? I think there's a lot that we packed into this. Yeah, no, that was great. Oh my gosh. Well, I, again, thank you so, so, so much. I'm so excited for this to air and for people to take advantage of, of your your account, your Instagram, and all that you have to offer. So um, again, we can find you at um, Safe Beginnings on Instagram, TikTok. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I dusted in here. Oh, I, thought I was just assuming it's the allergy season. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and um, and utilize everything that you have to offer from there. Um, but yes, thank you so much. Honestly, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.